0: And we're live. All right.
1: Welcome to the Google Educast. You've reached episode number 188 for March 29th, 2016, the show where we talk about educational applications for Google products, including news, tools, tips, and tricks, and classroom applications. I'll be your host, Fred Delventhal from Washington, DC. And joining us from Oregon is
0: Sean Williams.
1: And we have a special guest on tonight. David, do you want to introduce yourself and tell everybody where you're from and a little bit about you?
2: Uh, My name is David Hotler. I teach in Hampton City Schools, Hampton, Virginia. I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio. I attended Bowling Green State University, got a master's degree from Full Sail. And um, I co-host a podcast called the Level Up Learning Podcast, and I recently completed the Google Certified Innovator Training Academy in Mountain View, California.
1: All right, congratulations. Thanks. Um, For people who might have applied and didn't get accepted, or they're considering and they're working on their Google Educator exams, level one and two, you want to share anything about what you experienced at the Academy?
2: Um, Well, first of all, the Academy is just fantastically overwhelming and fast-paced and uh, you you get a chance to meet some amazing people and the networking opportunity alone is worth all the effort you put into the application. Uh, In terms of getting in or uh, applying, I would say uh, be original, be yourself. You're essentially joining a family of people and uh, they want to know that you're the type of person that should be joining that group. Um, there's no need to be a Google fanboy. Um, you, your idea should be uh, original and, uh, you know, groundbreaking and just go after it and it doesn't have to, every element of it doesn't have to involve some Google product. So so that was probably the best advice that I got.
0: Nice, and Great. that's a good point. Like, uh, a lot of people feel like doing that whole whole Google fanboy kind of thing and it's like, no, no, it's all good. This is about learning, you know. Yeah.
2: Um, we're, the idea that we have, um, I teamed up with two other people, um, David Lee, he's a, he's a STEM coordinator at the Career International School, and then Jessica Laux, um, and she works in Connecticut. Um, and we have uh, sort of come up with a new educational framework that we're going to be pitching on Thursday at 7 p.m., um, we're going to be doing a little iterate Edu chat, so we're hoping to um, show off a new idea and then get some feedback from the folks who come to the chat. So if you're interested and you're watching, uh, I can put that in my um, in my title. But we're going to be we're going to be talking about our idea. All uh, right, cool. And look Great. Some feedback.
0: I don't know David. I've only uh, you know I I know him online, never met face to face or anything, but he seems pretty awesome.
2: Thanks, Sean.
1: I think he was talking about David Lee.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Have you oh but okay. you're pretty awesome too, dude. <laughs> hey. no, David
2: David Lee is uh, David Lee is fantastic. And if you ever get a chance to meet him in person, he's great. He's actually gonna be in Hampton, Virginia. I think his in laws live in Hampton, so we're gonna be here in June, so it's gonna be fantastic. We're gonna get a chance to oh, awesome. link up. Yeah. Great.
1: All right, Uh, we have a lot of um, information to share tonight, so let's start off with segment one, and what's new with Google? Sean, you're up.
0: So this isn't uh, super new, um, but it did come out on the feed today, so I'm going to screen share this. The, uh, The grabbing a shareable link in Drive is now rolled out Um, for everyone. Um, It's coming up so when you're looking at a a file in Drive there's a little link button that you can um, just quickly grab the link to share uh, your doc or slide or whatever um, without like opening up the doc and then going up to sharing and then clicking through all that. It's just right there when you're viewing your Drive files. So just a quick um, a little bit easier way to to grab those links and share out your docs and stuff.
1: Yeah, I was trying to. I keep on. I kept on getting confused because in our personal accounts we've had that for a while. Yeah. But it hasn't been rolled out for Google Apps for Education, and I would go to tell somebody, "Oh, just grab the link at the top."
0: And yeah, exactly.
1: So that will make it a lot easier to give people instructions on how to get a real quick shareable link.
0: And so many of us have go back and forth between your domain and your personal consumer account, and it's like, wait, I know it's here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, All right.
1: Um, iOS had a couple of updates to the Google Apps apps I, on the on the iPad and iPhone. David, do you want to tell our listeners about what came out?
2: Uh, yeah. So um, first off, uh, they released. Um, that you can now, on the iOS app, you can change the filters, the themes, and the layouts in Google Sheets and Google Slides. Um, The Sheets portion there, you can essentially do your custom filters. So if you're used to creating custom filter views of Sheets um, just so you can sort of filter things and uh, sort things without affecting the entire document, that's fantastic. You can now do that in the iOS app. But I think the... yeah and that, that's cool. I really think that's cool, but um, way better than that, I think, is that you can now change the theme and the layout of your Google slide in iOS. I know I talked to so many students who get to make this fantastically collaborative and and, and fantastically boring Google slide that is plain. they have access to. Um, hey pup. <laughs> yeah, sorry, everyone. <laughs> he wants to join the chat. And unless they have access to a computer, they can't get in there and change the theme. So uh, that is now available um, as of, I guess, two days ago. Two th- Also, yeah. via the iOS app, you can get in and um, you can change, now change the color of your folders. And I'm on the Google Plus page here. Drive posted an update. Uh, and they've got this cute little gif, but you can get in and you can actually change the color of a folder to better visually organize your uh, folders and files within Google Drive, so that's a pretty cool feature.
1: Great. Thank you for that, and we also, we've been following the Doodle for Google for um, 2015-2016 And they have announced a winner, and the winner is actually from my area of Washington, D.C., and it actually went live as the Google Doodle. Oh, yay! I voted for that one. Nice. Um, So they actually had over 100,000 participants from 50 states, Puerto Rico, Guam, and Washington, D.C., five national finalists were chosen to spend the day at Google headquarters in Mountain View, California, for the AWARD ceremony. And at 10 a.m. Pacific time, this year's national winner, Aquila Johnson from Washington, D.C., saw her artwork go live on Google's U.S. homepage for millions to see.
2: I like that one. That is so, so awesome,
1: um, just another nice thing and we'll try to keep people updated uh, when next year's contest goes live and you can possibly get your classes or students to participate in next year's Google for Doodle but congratulations to Akilah and all the other participants in Google for Doodle or Doodle for Google
0: And and so before we move on just real quick like I love doing this every year with my kids um, when I was teaching third and fourth grade. It was like we never won or were run, runners-up or anything, but just the whole they give you so much material to work with. So, like, as far as lesson plans and whatever to get started and to pitch it to your kids and work on it, it it's a fantastic just experience having your kids get creative and do something neat that whether they win or not is it's still pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, it's a good filler project, too. Um, I had students that would work on it in between projects, so the kids that seemed to be far ahead of the other students, I'd have them work on a separate project, and Doodle for Google was a good one. Definitely.
1: All right, and moving on, we have...
0: Ooh, Cardboard object Journey.
1: And... Yeah, the Google Cardboard app got an update, and with that update came some new content. And so if you haven't already on your iOS or Android device updated the app, you may want to do that after taking a look at what they added. They've added, uh, what would you call it? It's not CGI, but it's, it's not... Real life either. It's computer animated or computer generated Arctic journey, and it takes um, takes you through different parts of the Arctic. It starts off with uh, an Arctic fox, and then you're supposed to aim your cardboard at the fox, and then you either pull down the tab on the Google Cardboard 2.0 or if your Google Cardboard comes with a magnet on the right-hand side or left-hand side, you can push the magnet in and it will send you further on your journey to see the other parts of the Arctic.
0: That looks really cool.
1: So I really like the um, intro video to share with, like, Teachers and students, the um, first time that they come across Google Cardboard, because the video just shows, and they've even updated since the first time I took it with the teachers before we did Google Expeditions at my school. Uh, they've anim- I mean, they've actually added video where there used to be a part where you're looking right into the face of a gorilla, and now the gorilla is actually a video. And so the kids just jump. They pull the cardboard away from their, um, their faces, and um, some of them just, like, won't even look at it. But um, it's always fun. So this is just another part of the Google Cardboard app, which is free for iOS and Android.
2: Very cool. And,
1: David, we got something else that's new.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Check it out. So if you aren't using the Google Street View app, um, you definitely need to check it out. It's a fantastic way to stitch together your own, um, your own 360 spherical photographs. But um, one cool thing that they added, if you go to uh, the Collections tab there at the top, the very first thing that shows up is uh, Bruce Wayne's Residence, here uh, and when you tap on it it takes you to Bruce Wayne's residence and you um, you can walk down the hallway and I know That's this awesome. is on my phone so it's it's kind of dorky to show you this I can't get my parrot to work but when you walk down that hallway you're immediately taken into the bat cave and so um, it's 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 actually really nostalgic for me just i love Batman but you can walk around um, you can walk around the the Batmobile, so uh, you can like look around the uh, the Batcave. This is all of Batman's really cool so stuff, cool. and yeah, there's his the Batmobile, and then the arrows are available, so they let you sort of navigate around the Batcave, and you can sort of explore the space. Um, and you get right up and close and personal to the Batmobile. You can see it from every angle. Um, if you pinch. You can zoom in on the, on the photograph, so you can sort of, like, really play around. And then there's, like, side rooms that you can go into, um, go up steps, and you can basically explore, like, all of Bruce Wayne's house plus his, like, secret layer of the Batcave. So totally rad. Check it out. And as, as always, so uh, with the Street View app up there in the corner, there's three ways you can view any Street View. One with the finger the way I was doing it here, the same way you would on a computer to what they call the magic window, which is linked to the accelerometer in your phone. So as you move the device around, um, it's like a magic window into that space. And then the third way is to click on that little cardboard app, and it'll ask you to turn it sideways, and then you get the um, you'll get the the split cardboard view in Magic there, window. Mode. Yeah. So pretty rad stuff.
1: Very cool. Yeah. All right, Sean, tell us about what Google made free. Uh,
0: the Nick Collection, which is pretty fabulous. It's uh, So uh, a lot of people used downloaded Picasa back in the day, and were using it for photo editing. And uh, Google just bought, and for now it's totally free to download um, Nick for all your photo editing needs. Um, which I will totally admit, I'm an Instagram person. I shoot and run with it. But um, no, if anybody's into photography, it is totally, it's amazing. It's what, like $200 or something?
1: Yeah, uh, I think it used to sell for
0: $150. $150. So, uh, and
1: they, they are sending out refunds to people that recently purchased this collection but just like um, with the sharpener of uh, being able to create extra sharp photos from if you're running and taking photos like Sean does and if <laughs> something gets a little bit blurry, then you could possibly fix that with the sharpening tool.
0: Yeah, it, it's pretty amazing. It's a free download. Um, the link is in the show notes. So if you do any kind of uh, photo editing, grab it because um, it's a heck of a deal.
2: Yeah, if you're just looking to get into it, I know that some people want to do, like, minor stuff, like what you could do with Lightroom, and they don't want to pay for it.
1: Well, I know a lot of schools do cover or have – they still have photography classes, and they're still purchasing Photoshop or Lightroom in teaching the photography. And so those would be nice additions, and especially now since they're free. Um, it makes it affordable for schools to put that into their photo, photo labs.
0: Yeah, right. no, it's a great deal.
1: Segment three, Chrome and Android, and Sean, you're up again.
0: So uh, Free Tech for Teachers, who is that, Richard Burns?
1: Richard Byrne, Yep. Yeah.
0: yeah, Richard Burns, sorry. Uh, he just posted, you know, it's a, a nice, when was this, last week, um, six tools for creating videos on Chromebooks because that is um, kind of an issue that keeps coming up. And we've got the links in the show notes. But uh, just six different tools in there. Um, we Video, of course, was in there because it's pretty awesome. But as, we, uh, as we're doing more and more with students creating content, um, creating content on Chromebook, video content on Chromebooks is, is becoming more and more popular. So uh, there's another Y video, I don't know, W-I video, I've never heard of it, but um, did a pretty nice overview of what's out there and things you can be doing with your students in Chromebooks for creating creating video, and some of them we enjoy more than others. (laughs) Very cool. (laughs) Which one do you
1: enjoy, Sean?
0: I like WeVideo. I think it works just fine because I'm... A lot more about, like, I'm not um, teaching the next uh, Spielberg here. I need them to demonstrate that they understand something or sharing their ideas. So WeVideo is a collaborative, pretty basic video editor that's web-based, and it works just fine.
1: And, David, do you have a favorite out of that list of six? Uh,
2: No, and i got to say... it's because I used to teach video production, so I was trying to make those young, sure. those young uh, Spielbergs and Scorseses, and so I was a stickler for teaching script writing, and teaching uh, teaching them how to use the the old Final Cut, and then later Adobe Premiere. So, um, I I have never used any of those. Um, but I would say that I, I do like the idea of what you just said, Sean. We video I'm reading here. They've got templates, um, or that you can skip the template and go full editor. So it seems like there's a lot of uh, versatility, and then that it syncs up with your drive. Um, I know a lot of teachers, and they have they have stock video that you can pull in, which is huge when you have a student who wants to iterate an idea quickly and come up with a prototype and
0: Well, what what I love, we bought uh, site licenses last year, is in WeVideo, all the kids just go out and shoot video and can drop it into a common uh, folder. And so you've got four kids working on a video project, and you'll get four different videos out of it because they cut and choose which clips they want to use and which clips they don't want to use and and edit it. So I love it. I'm talking about, like, fifth and sixth graders here, so I'm not... And
2: you know what, like I I almost, the more I think about it, the more I realize that I probably should have been using something like that in my video class because sometimes it's more about just figuring out the basics of putting your idea onto paper and then shooting it and coming up with a product quickly to see what it looks like instead of getting, you know, all bogged down in the technical tools and how to, you know, it's pretty easy to add a transition in WeVideo whereas if you want to do transitions in... Premiere, Final Cut, it can, you know, it could be, like, a whole lesson on teaching them how to do something. Well,
0: and it depends on what you're looking for, right? I mean, find the tool for the job. I, if I'm teaching a high school video production class, like, yeah, I want it to be pretty awesome.
2: Right, maybe second semester. But first semester, first video, could be a fantastic tool.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: Especially now, they're all, you know, these schools are all going with one-to-ones and uh, getting their, their mobile devices. If you're shooting on an iPad, I can't imagine a better way than... Just upload right away to drive.
0: yeah it's fabulous all right uh, moving on
1: moving on to segment four classroom um, and this isn't particularly right now dealing with classroom but if you're a classroom teacher Google has is sent out uh,
0: Google has sent out a
1: request to get feedback from classroom teachers on teaching online safety to elementary and primary students. So listen up, especially if you're an elementary school teacher and you've done anything with teaching online safety. Google wants to get feedback from you as to different things. They have a quick three-minute um, three survey. I counted, and it has a total of three questions. And they just Um, want to know what you do. Um, One of the questions is, from which sources do you pull when creating lesson plans or online safety and digital citizenship topics? And this survey is still live. Um, I have no idea what they're planning, why they put out this survey. But it usually means that they're trying to gather resources and figure out just uh, what teachers are doing so that they can possibly fill in any gaps that might be there. So take three minutes and fill out the survey. We'll have it in our show notes on GoogleEducast.com when this show yeah. gets posted.
0: So I think uh, Google's really um, trying to become more proactive, like in the training center for Google certifications. There's more and more resources popping up on online safety and uh, netiquette and whatever. So um, it's good to see Google's pushing forward and trying to get some feedback and find out where people are going and possibly how they could support that. So that's awesome.
2: Absolutely. Anytime Google asks for your feedback, you should give it to them.
1: Well, and- That's sort of what I tell people uh, in my dealings with. uh, um, Sorry, just got distracted. In my dealings with Google Classroom, uh, because in all my years of being a technology coordinator and dealing with companies uh, delivering what they think a teacher needs to use in their classroom or what will work in teaching students. With what Google has started doing and getting feedback on Google Classroom, hearing what the teachers want as features and then making those features available, Google Classroom is really a product that has been shaped by students and teachers almost from the ground up because people don't, re- don't remember how bare bones it really was When it was a year and a half ago that they actually released it and just how far it's come and so if they're trying to if they're asking for more feedback um, I would hope that most people more people would jump in there to help guide them because they are listening it's not like all just oh we're trying to show that we're we're interested in what you say but then we're just going to do our own thing. No, they're actually measuring and um, looking at the feedback very carefully to make sure that it is something that teachers can use and will use.
0: Definitely. And speaking of listening.
1: Oh, yes, we had a listener that we mentioned on our last show Kristen Rickers, if you're listening, especially if you're listening in your car, don't freak out. But <laughs> um, we got your email, Kristen, and we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what you're asking about, uh, and if it's, I think it's all right, I'm going to read part of your email. Um, and she wrote that, here's a random example of a project I wanted to do. I wanted to have my tech squad kids create a superhero website where kids brag about their tech skills so that teachers know who to call if they have tech problems. I want kids to include a photo of themselves in superhero garb, so I encourage them to use outside apps and websites to create these photos. My tech boss said nope, so we chose one site to review and we read over the terms and conditions, and then I created a permission slip. Being limited to one site took the wind out of our sails, and the enthusiasm for the pro- and the project died quickly. Just wondering if any of you have had to deal with this and how to make it work in your classrooms. Any advice? And so I'm going to kick it over to you two, David and Sean. Um, what advice could you offer to Kristen?
0: Well, I think part of the story is that this is in response to uh, the whole. People starting to be more concerned about uh, data privacy and uh, you, what apps and extensions and stuff we use with students. Um, and there's, I know there's the law in California that just passed, and there's, I'm sure there's more coming down the pipe. But um, I guess I I would say why not just use Google Sites and Google Drawings. Um, that would integrate totally into your site, and it's easy enough, you know, and you don't have to go to an outside app.
2: Yeah, and I, I you know, I really i am a big fan of keeping the main thing the main thing, so when I hear that project idea, what seems so revolutionary about it and what's great about it is you're communicating to teachers from the student, and that seems to be the main thing, and so... Um, getting that information up and available right away, you know, especially using that site idea, seems like a fantastic first step, and then working toward um, dressing up like superheroes, and maybe it takes a little longer because you get a local costume shop to bring in some some costumes and do your own little photo shoot, or uh, you download Nix, and you, you start to use a little more advanced software. Um, I don't know the exact age of the students, but uh, if the photo is the only thing holding you up, I don't. I think the the real idea behind the project is letting teachers see what the students are good at, and I know in our division that's something that we're really working towards is having more student tech support for teachers, and that seems to me to be the most important part of that
0: project. And uh, we dropped a. Brad, you got the Tech Sherpas uh, link in the show notes. Because uh, that's what our friend Kern Kelly's doing. Yeah, Eastern.
1: Kern Kelly's up in Maine, and he's in the high school, and the high school students act as tech sherpas for the high school, and they help teachers. and They had been doing even a podcast where they would host it, and even teachers or students could come in and ask their tech questions. And the tech Sherpas would try to solve their problems on air or um, like with one of the problems I sent them for, I was trying to help a fifth grader with his science project. And I wasn't sure how to display a graph with the data that he collected and the tech Sherpas came through and um, showed me how they created a motion graph. Out of the data that this fifth grader and he totally rocked the science fair with showing this data. So it's a, just an example with the Tech Sherpas and their website in Google Sites, uh, what's possible with student sites. And I know if this is um, elementary kids, and I'm not sure if that's an email. Um, that even elementary kids are creating Google Sites. It's easy enough for them to create it. So I wouldn't be too concerned about uh, age level of it being too hard or too difficult. Um, and it could be something that Kristen and the kids learn together in what's possible in doing a Google Site. The other thing that I think it's a great suggestion for using Google Sites is, um, they can share it just with the other teachers in the school and not share it out with anybody else um, to avoid the privacy concerns. So it's shared just within the school. The teachers can um, view the sites and know who's an expert in hooking up a projector to a computer or something like that and know who to call.
0: Oh, and that would be awesome because then they could also design, like, digital badges to show who's an expert at whatever, use drawings. It's easy enough to stay inside.
2: Right. Yeah, I definitely think that teachers should... I, I, I feel the pain on losing the wind in the sails, and that can be frustrating, but uh, definitely keep it up. I think what you're doing is, is amazing, and it's, it's definitely uh, necessary in running successful... Uh, technology programs, um, and empowering students to have voice and choice. I think it's great. Uh,
0: And I mean, like, chances are you could wait it out. um, Because, like, the law, at least in California, just passed a couple months ago, so it's like everyone's hypersensitive right now, and then it's going to be like, okay, yeah, wait a second, we can relax. So definitely, uh, to echo David, don't, don't give up.
1: All right. And we have shout-outs and feedback. David, we're going to give you the shout-outs and feedback section. Do you want to tell everybody once again about your podcast and also um, the kickoff for your project that's coming up?
2: Yeah, so uh, two things. Um, I co-host and produce a podcast called Level Up. Learning. Uh, you can find us in iTunes, uh, just search Level Up Learning, or you can go to our website, um, which is levelupyourlearning.com. And I'm going to pull that website up here and share it with you so you can see it, so it's familiar. Um, but essentially, we do a podcast that is uh, designed to be quick and uh, directed directly at teachers. And um, so all of them are under, usually under uh, 15 minutes, and they're scripted, so they're quick and fast. Uh, our latest one's about EdCamp, but we do have a podcast, uh, so our latest episode is about how to have and host your own EdCamp, um, but a pretty popular podcast, and I think is pretty universal for all teachers uh, that we just released, is an 11-minute breakdown of the differences between the No Child Left Behind and the Every Student Succeeds Act, um, oh, awesome. which is a fantastic. We did all the research. We looked everything up. Um, and you can listen right from our website. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, uh, and we're working on getting into uh, Google Play. And then in addition to that, uh, I'm working with my uh, Google Innovator. So they, they sort of changed up the way the Google Innovator... Uh, program works, and um, you now work on a year-long project with a mentor. Uh, I think that's a change. Um, Yes, it is. Yeah, so uh, I'm working with two other folks, David Lee and Jessica Laux, and we're going to be working on a project, uh, it's a new framework uh, mindset for schools called Educational Permaculture. And we're going to be debuting the idea, and in a new Twitter chat we kind of coined called Iterate Edu, and you can see it down in my uh, tag there. Iterate Edu. We're going to do a Twitter chat. We're going to have a quick video, and then we're just going to ask for folks' feedback. And the idea for that sort of came from the book Spark that was uh, recently published. Uh, the idea being, you work for five days, you come up with a prototype, and you show that prototype to at least five potential clients, and get their feedback, and then you have something to work on the following week. So uh, we have been, like, really crunching it this week, and uh, we want to have something pretty impressive to show uh, the crew on on Thursday. So that's Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and the uh, hashtag is iterateedu.
0: Great. Awesome. Awesome. I just... just, uh, Quick shout out, because I went down to Q16 last week um, in Southern California, Palm Springs, and it was great to meet up with a bunch of old friends, but also um, Ryan O'Donnell and uh, Beth Hayden, I got to meet that. Well, I knew Ryan, but I got to see him, and uh, Ryan Carroll and Mary Fran Lynch were all there, and it was awesome seeing them, and they gave a little uh, Google EduCast shout out, so wanted to... Recognize that. Very cool. It was very fun.
1: What's Q? Uh,
0: Computer using educators. It's uh, based in California, but it's an ISTE affiliate. Um, Good conference. Good time there.
1: (laughs) Great. All right, that will do it for this week on the Google Educast. A big thanks to the crew this week. Um, And you can hit us up on our Blog are on our website, which is www.googleeducast.com. You can subscribe to us and catch our the audio version of this on SoundCloud as well as iTunes and, oh, what's something else? Anything else?
0: Oh, everywhere.
1: Oh, look at the puppy. And thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next week.
0: All right. Thanks for hosting, Fred. Always thanks, good to Fred. see you. And thanks for joining us, David. Yeah, thanks, Sean. David. Fred. Very nice to you.
2: Anytime. Happy to happy to be here. It's a great show. Thanks.